Hey, uh, that was so great, just to sing about the love of God, and I was actually listening to you and watching and singing and thinking, this could be enough. We could just go home now, because this is the thing we need to know today. This is the thing we need to hear. So I want to start just by naming the elephant in the room, which we've already done. It's Valentine's Day, right? So, yeah, yay, one of you says, yay, okay. <laughs> so for 4% of you in the room, for about 4%, this was a really cool thing. You have someone to send you flowers or someone to give flowers to. You got to celebrate and be all romantic and cute. And you know what? I just want to say to the 4%, that, that is awesome. And we're so happy for you. We celebrate that with you, really. That's really cool. For the other 96% of you, right? <clears throat> <laughs> Sometimes this day might sort of stink a little bit, okay? And we kind of try to play it off like, oh, stupid harm, Hallmark holiday and stuff. But here's the thing. In my 34, first 34 years of life, there was one Valentine's Day when I actually had a significant other in the first 34 years of my life. So if you take out my childhood, that means there were about 20 Valentine's Day that I was alone, right? And it kind of stunk. And I remember that. And I get it. So I just want to say that to you. As much as we don't want to make a deal out of it, it's a thing. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes this day seems to be a day when the lies in our heads kind of own us, right? And the idea that we're not enough and we don't have what we want, we might not ever get what we want, which means someone to be there, right? And all of these lies that we're not enough and we're not loved just kind of play at us and we try to keep them at bay, right, if we're honest. So <clears throat> as fun and festive as today is, I actually want to just take a minute and say to each of you tonight something amazing. God loves you. His love never quits, it never fails, it never betrays you, it never abandons you, it never goes away, it doesn't change. God's love endures forever, and he loves you, and we want you to know that tonight. And to help you know that God loves you and that we love you, we have a Valentine's gift for you. Are you ready? Bring out the fun dip, come on. <clears throat> While you are getting your fun dip, would you please grab your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. Make sure you get a fun dip. You guys can go ahead and open them, eat them while I'm teaching. It's fine. Just try to not do it with too much noise. All right, everybody good? Everyone's got their sugar fix for tonight. Does anyone need a Bible? Do you need a Bible? Raise your hand. Turn to Acts chapter 4. Okay, here's what we're going to do tonight. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a story tonight from the book of Acts as we continue our trip through the book of Acts. Um, but we're going to look tonight at a hard, hard story. We're going to look at a story about a relationship, fittingly. And actually a relationship that didn't honor God and had some pretty huge, awful consequences. So that's what we're going to do. And because that's what we're going to do tonight, we're going to pray first. Okay, so will you guys pray with me? God, we give you praise and thanks for this warm room full of people and friends on a very cold night. 
So God, I pray that as we dive into this story that's difficult, that you would help us, that your spirit would lead and guide our hearts and minds, and that you would speak clearly and boldly to each of us. I pray this in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. Amen. Okay, to help us get started tonight, here's what I need you to do while you're eating your fun dip. You guys look very funny. It's awesome. Um, okay, I need you to be brave, and I need you to turn to two other people, so groups of three, and we're going to do some conversation tonight, okay? So here's what I need you to do first. I need you to introduce yourselves to those people and answer two questions. You know those little candy hearts that you get on Valentine's Day that have the little sayings on them, right? You know what I'm talking about? I don't know about you guys, but some of those taste good to me and some of them don't. All right, so I want, in your group, I want you to tell everyone, do you have a favorite flavor and a flavor you don't like or a color? Does that make sense? So introduce yourselves, answer the questions, and then we'll come back together. Okay, I'm guessing maybe that about does it. I don't know about you guys, but I cannot stand the orange ones or the green ones. Anyone else with me out here? Can't stand them, right? Yeah, yeah they're terrible. Okay. Turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to dive in, and we're going to use these groups to have a little more conversation tonight, okay? So in chapter 4, I want you to find verse 32. And while I read, I want you to follow along, but I also want you to listen, okay? I want you to listen for two things. I want you to listen for what stands out about this community that's being described, what stands out about the community, and number two, What do we learn about Barnabas? Okay, what stands out about the community and what do we learn about Barnabas? So let's go to Acts chapter four, verse 32. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so turn to your groups, have a little conversation. What stands out about the community, and what do we know about Barnabas? And more specifically, what's his reputation? Okay, go ahead and take a couple minutes to do that. Okay, let's come back together. And I need you guys to be sort of brave and sort of give me some examples of what you talked about. So let's start with the first question, right? What stands out about the community in this passage? What do you learn? What do you find interesting? What do we know about them? Yeah, right here. I don't know that they all lived in one place, but they all shared everything. Okay, so we know that. Yeah. It seemed a bit like socialism. A bit like socialism. Okay, I'm not sure that's where we're going, but that's good. That's good. Woo. What else you got? Any other ideas? What do you see the people doing? How are they interacting with each other? They share. This is sharing in sign language. We're saying it all the time to Jaden, like every 10 minutes, share, it's okay, right? That's not normal for us. That's not a natural action for us, but they were sharing everything. What about the very first verse? What does it tell us? They were unified. 
They were one heart. They agreed. They were in this thing together, and they were sharing everything they had so that no one was in need. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty beautiful, pretty rare, pretty amazing. Now, what about Barnabas? What do we know about Barnabas? Okay, son of encouragement is what his name's translated for you in that, in that text. What, what do we know about him? What does he do? He sold a field. He sold a field. And he brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet um, as a gift. So if that happened, right, what did people think of him? What was his reputation? He was good, humble, selfless. Barnabas had given something significant. So that's the fun part. Now let's go to Acts chapter 5. I want you to listen to the next thing that happens, and this is the tricky part. So let's read it together, Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? At your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young, man came, young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. <coughs> Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. This is the word of the Lord. Whew. Wow, <laughs> right? Okay, first, the very first thing I want to do is I want to talk about what this story is not about, okay? What this story is not about is about the idea that if you don't give every single penny of what you have to God, that you are going to be struck dead, okay? That is not what the story is about. Just in case I'm wrong, there's offering boxes in the back, but okay. <laughs> just saying, just saying. Look at verse one and two again. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. It's easy to read this and believe that the sin of Ananias and Sapphira was that they didn't give all the money, Right? But I want to encourage you to resist that temptation because I think I can show you that this is not what's happening. During this time and in this community, there was no mandate. There was no commandment or no rule 
that they had to sell their property and give all of the money to the apostles. No one was telling them to do this. When people like Barnabas and others sold what they had and put it at the apostles' feet, it was out of love, in response to the love of God and the love of Jesus. It wasn't a mandate. It wasn't something they had to do. So Ananias and Sapphira didn't break a rule by not giving all the money. It's not what's going on here, even though it's easy to think that's what it is. So then what is going on, right? Are you curious? Let's talk about what the story is about. Look at verse 3 with me. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and you have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? At your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. So what's the problem? What did they do wrong? You can say it out loud. They lied. They lied. Okay, to the people and to God. Now, here's my question. If there's no rule or no mandate that they have to give all the money, if it was absolutely fine for them to just give part of the money and keep some for themselves, why would they lie and say they'd given it all? Isn't that curious to you guys? I mean, I think it's very interesting. I have one suggestion that I think we can all relate to. So to answer it, I have to ask you this question. Remember Barnabas. What did people think about Barnabas? He was humble. He was selfless. He was good. He was faithful. I think Barnabas had a really cool reputation in the Christian community. David Stern, who's a man who wrote a commentary called the, New, the Jewish New Testament Commentary, which gives lots of insight sort of from the Jewish cultural perspective at the time. He said this, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira was not that they reserved some of the money for themselves, but that they tried to create the impression that they had not. So not that they just kept the money for themselves, but they tried to create the impression that they had not. Is it possible that Ananias and Sapphira lied so that they could look as good as Barnabas, so that they could be recognized, so that they could be called humble and selfless and good, so that they could have a better reputation among the community, to gain esteem, to appear to be better than they actually were. And then here's the hard question. Surely none of us in this room ever have the tendency to do this, right? We never seek to gain esteem or respect or recognition from people around us, right? If we're honest, if I'm honest, in big and small ways, we all do this. We all try to look better, sound better, be better than we actually are. And here's maybe the bigger one. We all try to look better, sound better, be better, or as good as other people around us. Why do we have this tendency? Why is, why is it that we do this? So while we think about this question, 
I want to show you a clip from Friends. Is that okay? Okay, so a little comic relief. In this clip, Joey (laughs) is trying to land an acting job, which is almost always true, right? But let's take a quick look at his resume. So Joey puts all these things on his resume that he totally can't do, right? Because he's trying to get these jobs. In fact, he says he can speak French. And if you've watched this episode, he like goes to this audition where he's supposed to speak French and he totally can't. He also says that he's an amazing dancer and they read his resume and think he has all this experience and he totally can't and doesn't. <laughs> so why does he put all these things on his resume? Because he's trying to get recognition. He's trying to get noticed. He's trying to get a job that he wouldn't otherwise get, right? All these claims for him, by the way, you can go watch this episode. It's really funny. But it ends in utter humiliation on all sides, right? It just doesn't work. There were pretty bad consequences for him. For Ananias and Sapphira, the consequences for trying to appear to be something they were not were huge. Remember chapter four. Remember the community that we talked about and what was happening. It was really beautiful, right? They were all unified. They were thinking the same. They were sharing everything they had and no one had any need. There was a wonderful thing happening in the community. And the problem is Ananias and Sapphira, by being dishonest and lying to the community and lying to God, they were actually poisoning this beautiful thing that was happening. It stood in opposition to the holiness of God and the holiness that community was supposed to be living out. And in a very definitive and rare act, God removes them from that community because they're bringing this poison. It's not good. It's it's against what God is trying to do in this group of people. All because they wanted recognition. All because they wanted a better reputation. All because they cared so much about what other people thought of them. Here's what I want you to do. Go back to your groups of three. And I want to talk a little bit about how this relates to our culture, our community, the average college student, right? What are some ways that hypothetically we might struggle with being real, being honest, actually presenting ourselves to be the way we are. Where is this hard? What does this look like? Talk about that a little bit for a couple minutes in your groups and then we'll come back together. Okay, let's come on back together a second. This is where I need you to be brave again. And let's just share together some things you talked about. Where is it difficult to be real? Where is this challenging? What does this kind of look like? Yes. Social media, say more. The number of likes, man, gives us a lot of feelings of affirmation and value and credit. And also, I just want to say, on social media, we can make ourselves look pretty good. We can make life look like it's pretty awesome all the time, right? And if we're honest, it's just not all the time. So thank you. That's great. What else did you guys talk about? Yep, you guys probably didn't hear it in the back, but she said sometimes we brag about how busy we are because we feel like we get a lot of credit and value if we're just busy and we're doing all these things and we say that all the time. That's absolutely true. Annika? how we present ourselves even in this context, right? Yep. What else? Yeah. Sure. We talked about boldness last week, right, which is really important and really good, but sometimes it's really hard to do that, and we don't necessarily want to present that real side of what's most important. 
That's great. What else? Anything else? Yeah, right here. Yep. Trying to get a job, right? We're trying to be better than the other people that are going for kind of the same jobs. And it is competitive, and that's hard. It's hard. What else? I see you. Go. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we give people the highlight reel of the good things, right? The other thing we talked about in our planning meeting this week is we say, hey, how you doing? And what do we say? Good. How are you? Right? And inside you're like, I'm not good at all, but I'm not going to tell you that. Right? The other thing we talked about this week, which I thought was really powerful, how many of you guys are in a life group? Okay. Someone in our meeting said, it's really easy to go to life group and say the right things and look good for an hour and not actually come to your life group and be real and be honest and share what's really going on. I thought that was a powerful statement. So thank you so much for sharing those things, you guys. I feel like there's ways that all of us relate to this somehow. And maybe yours didn't get said, but there are a lot of them. I think one of the biggest things we do is we compare ourselves to other people. All the time, I do it. All the time. It's hard and it steals our joy, right? So here's my next question. Are there consequences when we do this? We know for Joey there were, and we know for Ananias and Sapphira there were. So are there consequences for us? And you know, obviously none of us have been struck dead yet, right? But if we're honest, I think we all feel, I think we all feel the ache. The ache that is the consequence of not being real with yourself or with others or with God. And I think there's two things to think about. One of them is that when we hide ourselves, when we're not real with the people around us and with God, we hinder what God is doing in us, through us, and in the community. And you guys, look around. There have been some amazing and beautiful things happening in campus ministry this year. Seriously, it's been an incredible ride. Let's not get in the way, right? Let's be real and be honest and true with one another. Um, in our planning meeting, again, we have a meeting every week where we actually plan these nights and there's a bunch of students that sit around the table and help us wrestle with these issues and they were a huge part of helping me put this together tonight. Um, but Adam Bialecki was in the room and he said this, you might not be dead, but you won't be alive. You might not be dead, but you won't be alive. I thought that was really powerful. You might not drop dead as a result of hiding yourself and not being real with the people around you, but something inside of you is not living. When we're not real, we, we become more and more dead to ourselves and to others and to God. I think that's just part of the deal. Now here's what I believe. I think Ananias and Sapphira their desire for recognition and esteem and to be compared and to gain value came from a misunderstanding of God's love for them. 
that his love was big, that his love was enough, that it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. It only matters what God thinks. So be honest and be real. I think either they misunderstood this or maybe they forgot. Somewhere along the way, the lies that they were being told about themselves took hold on their hearts, and they acted on that. Turn back to verse 3 in chapter 5. Because someone else is at work in this story, and I want to make sure we say this. Verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Who else is at work here? Satan is watching this beautiful thing that's happening in the community, and he's trying to stop it. He's trying to get in the way. And he's trying to get in the way by feeding their heads with lies about who they are and where their value comes from. He's trying to destroy it, and they believe these lies, and eventually they not just believe them, but they act on them by lying to others and to God. And if we're honest, if I'm honest, we all have these thoughts in our heads, right? We all have lies that we're being told about ourselves, about what we're not, about what gives us value, about what makes us worthy. Telling us that we better look as good as or better than the people around us so that they will approve and so that we will be okay. Why? For the same reason, because either we don't understand or we forget God's love. If you hear nothing else, hear this comment. If we are not secure in the love of God, then we will seek to fill our longing for that love by gaining the approval of other people. And we will keep on doing whatever it takes to get it. I'm going to say it one more time. If we are not secure in the love of God, we will seek to fill our longing for that love by gaining the approval of other people. And we will keep on doing whatever it takes to find it. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Because what I want to do to end is I want to remember where we started. Do you remember the fun dip? Anybody still eating it or is it gone? Good? Okay. Okay. Because where we started is I have amazing news for you. God loves you. (laughs) God's love never quits. It never fails. It never changes. It does not betray you. It does not abandon you. God's love endures forever, and it is big, and it is enough. So listen again to these words from your heavenly father. This is what the Lord says. I have loved you with an everlasting love. 
I have drawn you with loving kindness. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. It is big. It is enough. Brennan Manning, one of my favorite authors, says it this way. God loves you just as you are, not as you should be. Isn't that awesome? God loves you just as you are, not as you should be. If we believe this and live our lives securely in that love, here's what we don't have to do. We don't have to lie. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to hide. We don't have to seek recognition. We don't have to compare ourselves to anyone else. We don't have to lie to ourselves, and we don't have to lie to God. Because that's how God made you. And he wants you to know tonight that you are okay. And you are loved more than you could ever know. 